Howdy, everyone. This is Dave Cohen on Guitar Tales, and we are literally, and not just a little bit, honored to have Steve Conti with us. Steve, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, I like pleasure, that. Dave. Uh, so you were one of the first guests we targeted when this show uh, went on the air in uh, May of 19, and you, you've just been touring the world, you know, and you've always stayed in contact with me, with Scott Guitar, Mrs. Stengel, so we appreciate it. And we're beyond thrilled to have you here tonight. My pleasure, like I said. And uh, always uh, lovely to talk to another dude from Jersey. That's right. We, we were both. Where from? Are you from there? I'm a Matawan boy. Ah, uh, well, e even more so. Yeah. I mean, I'm not from Matawan, but right. I did live there. Right. I'm, well, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn, and then but I went to Madwan Regional High School and all that. So I think you went to the same high school as me. I forget. Yes, I did. Yeah, yes, so did. very good. So Madwan in the house. Yeah, basically, uh, you know, the teen years, the all the uh, trouble you can get in in the suburbs. That's right. That's Madawan. right. <laughs> That's right. Drinking at the Triangle and other stuff. It was it was the bowling alleys for me. Oh yeah. Lanes. That's right. Right next to the movie theater, we used to sneak Jack Daniels into the movie theater. In the pool hall. That's right, right there, the yeah. pool hall there, all that good yeah. stuff there. Yeah. It's all different now over there. Now the, the movie theater is a, um, a beer shop. Oh, I heard it was going that way. Yeah, I haven't been there in a while. Yeah, it's very My mom still lives down there, but uh, I, yeah, I had heard that, man, man, I remember when that theater was built there. You know, so that I don't like my, my first movies I ever went to by myself, you know. Yeah, had to sneak there because um, my mother wouldn't let me go to, you know, certain like horror films that you know right, my right, friends right. were seeing. And she's like, yeah. I remember they were giving out vomit bags. There was this one movie called Mark of the Devil. Oh, that's like, great. Yeah, they were giving out vomit. Yeah, it was like real John Waters before John Waters, you know. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, good times. No, it is good times but, over know, there. So we, we are pure mad Eventually, I had to get into the city, you know. Yep, and and that's where you're based right now, right? Well, I'm in the Bronx now. Oh, okay, great. Right I was in Manhattan for 30 years. Oh wow. Yeah. That's fun, and and that's the name of your band, Steve Conti NYC, right? Uh, well, now I just go by Steve Conti, but you know, uh, I was trying to actually have a band name. This is, I was living over in Europe for three years. I was living in the Netherlands, and. Uh, I had this notion that, you know, when I would tour over there, if I just called myself Steve Conti NYC, then I wouldn't have to depend on the the owners of the clubs to put on the marquee Steve Conti from New York City, right? All right. Because there's, makes something, sense. Uh, there's something exotic about when you're playing in Holland or Belgium or France or England to see somebody from New York City, right? So I thought, well, let me just build it into the name, you know? Right. So I had the band called Steve Conti NYC, but no one got it. Oh, really? Even, even Stevie Van Zant, when he first played me on on uh, on uh, the Underground Garage, he would go, uh, "Welcome to the Underground Garage, Steve Conti." I'd be like, "Okay, <laughs> Steve Conti NYC," and everyone would call it Steve Conti the NYC album. Oh, okay. Now I right. saw he gave you a nice review of the new album, though. He said some kind words about it. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he loves it. I, mean, yeah. I hope he does because I'm on his label. And he, yeah. Know, so he's playing me on the radio show. Uh, I've got three. My third single is out now. Um, yeah. And he's he's very hands on with, you know, what he picks to put on his label and on the radio. So, you know, it's uh, that's really good stuff. And, you know, I, there's so many great interviews with you. I wanted to tell you that one of the most enjoyable things that I've done in preparing for this, I'll just spend an hour on YouTube searching your name. And there's so much great stuff, um, including some really good interviews. So I know you have this wonderful and varied history with the New York Dolls. Um, and you were with Blood, Sweat and Tears. You toured with them for a while, uh, the Michael Monroe band. So I don't. I know there's a lot out there where you've given some great interviews on that, uh, but now you've got this album. And the one thing I've noticed that I really appreciate about everything I, I've heard you record, everything I hear from you is fresh. Like it, it, nothing I've heard from you sounds formulaic 
or reliant upon that which preceded it. And I was wondering how you get that. How, how do you draw uh, on the feeling that gives you something that sounds happy and new and inspired? Hell if I know, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I mean, the, the one thing I always say, and, and when people get near this subject, you know, about like the sound or whatever, it's like, I, I'm never trying to make a contemporary sounding record, you know, like when I record, um, even the songs that I write, you know, I think they could have been written in 1964 and 1974 and 1984 and 1994 or 2004, 2024. Right. You know, it's just, uh, it's melodies, chord progressions and lyrics that mean something, you know, and then of course playing, um, but I never go for like trendy stuff is what I'm trying to say. Right. So, you know, uh, I think once on one record, I used a drum loop. Uh, okay. But and maybe, maybe I have a couple other drum loops like hidden in, you know, but one really obvious record where I use a, an obvious drum loop at the top, but then the rest of the band comes in and it's acoustic guitars, electric guitars. You know, I mean, that's, I use, Real drums, real guitars, real amps, right? Real piano, real B3, Wurlitzer, or whatever. You know, I'm not, you know, there's not a, a, a sample loop kind of synth thing going on. So it could have been recorded, like I said, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, or now. It wouldn't matter. And, uh, you know, there are records that are being made like that by new bands now. So it's not like, what I'm doing is old fashioned either. Although, you know, I don't record like a lot of those bands, they use Pro Tools and like the digital recording stuff, like to the furthest extent that they can use it. You know, they use auto tune and they do it to a grid, uh, which means, you know, everything is perfectly lined up and perfect. You know, uh, I heard, I don't know if it was Keith or, or one of the Stones or somebody said, the worst thing that ever happened to rock and roll was the digital tuner. Right. You know, because everything is so perfect now. I mean, if you listen to, you know, a Stones record from 69, what, Honky Tonk Woman or whatever. Oh, a Honky Tonk Woman, for one, the tempo. If you ever listen to the song, like start it right. at the beginning and let it play to the end and then go immediately back to the beginning, you hear how much the song speeds up. Right. Like by the end, it's fucking racing. And it's great because the energy just, that's the way a band plays. It breathes together. It's human beings, you know what I mean? And that would never happen. You know, like everything's to a grid now, you know, whether it's the Foo Fighters or, you know, I first heard about this shit with, I mean, the Foo Fighters are great, you know, and they can all really play. They don't need to do that. But I think in order, in order to be like in the marketplace or like on the radio sounding you know, familiar to kids or whoever's buying records, you know, they, they probably don't want to sound too old school throwback. Me, I don't care. I, I prefer that actually, just yeah. old records, you know. I'm, people ask me, what new bands am I listening to? Not very many new bands, although I occasionally find one that I like. But uh, I like to go back and discover like a 60s garage band that I never heard of. I'm like, what? How did I miss this band, you know? Or, or an 80s punk band or 70s punk band that I never heard of. Um, I just love the sound of those records because, and the feel of them, because there was real energy of human beings playing together. Yeah, and the like, word when, Mutt, when Mutt Lang started doing this shit with Def Leppard and, uh, you know, recording, you know, every drum separately or were no cymbals on the track and then everything had to be like perfect and isolated and, you know, there was even one song where he tracked the guitars one string at a time, you know, instead of like playing a full chord. You know, that's just not the way people play, you know, together live. And I love Dev Leopard too, don't get me wrong. But anyway. Yeah, and, and the that was word, a long winded answer. Sorry. I, I love it. That's what I want. I, I want to be invisible on this interview. So <laughs> that, I love that as an interviewer. Um, shut me up sometimes. I, I like that. That makes my life easy. Um, a lifetime ago, I had a legal call-in show, and I remember I just had an hour's worth of, yes, 
No, and that, that's impossible. So this this is great. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that that I love that you said that that's the centerpiece of it is the word together, right? And, and do you think that's sort of a bit of a a lost vibe these days? That the idea when you're re- at least for the recording piece of it, yeah, being in a room together and getting the bleeding. That really, in my mind, enriches the music, but I think by today's standards, is a problem. Yeah, um, I don't go that far where I where I let you know the guitars go into the drum mics. I still like to have the separation. Like, I mean, we recorded uh, when we recorded Bronx Cheer, the rhythm tracks we were all recorded live. Charlie Drayton on drums, the great Charlie Drayton from Keep It. Okay. That's the one I know. My brother, myself. That was the band. And uh, my brother and I had our amps in separate booths. Right. Charlie was in the big room. And uh, I was singing, so to sort of guide the band through the song. So I was in another booth. My brother was out in the room. But, you know, we were all playing together live, feeling it, watching each other, you know, cueing each other, endings, you know, let's go longer, you know, real human stuff, you know, like that's what I would do on stage. Right, but you know, it's, I mean, nowadays fans go out there and play with pre-recorded tapes. Right, and what is that shit? You know, I, I mean, that, I guess you know if you don't have a keyboard player and you had one on your record and you want it to sound just like the record, you know, I mean, it didn't stop Led Zeppelin from going out and playing as a trio after they had all that shit going on, on the records. But some might say they didn't sound so good live, but the energy was there. Yeah, you know, I mean, human beings playing—that's exciting to me. If I want to hear, if I want to listen to an album, I'll listen to an album. If I want to see a concert, I'll see a concert. Exactly. You know, but uh, you know, it's with on my feet a lot these days. It's that great video, uh, the "Who Are You" video, where it shows them in the studio and you get the camera. And oh, is that where where Moon has the uh, headphones taped to his head? Yep. Taped or, yeah. yeah. And and you just get such positive energy out of those guys, and they're having fun. But they're playing together, and you see Pete playing around with Keith, and you watch them harmonize together. But you know, there's something magical about that. That that if there's no togetherness, you know, I think we get lost. And it's even like I, I send songs to my kids. They're both my kids are 19 and 21, and I worry that they're going to listen to it on one of these things, and they're going to. And I say, put your headphones on. You know, so they can at least hear some of what's going on. Yeah, I, you know, the one thing about the technology that's where we're at now in 2021, uh, it's just really convenient. Everything is super convenient. I mean, in this phone, I yep. have, you know, my entire life, you know. Yep. I, always say to, I always say to my wife when she says, you're on your phone too much. I go, you know what this phone represents? This is my writing. This is my my musical writing notebook, this is my tape recorder, this is my Rolodex, this is my telephone, this is my camera, you know, this is my notepad, this is everything. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I have every record ever made in here, you know, because like, I have Apple Music. Right, so right. I'm one of those subscribers, you know, I don't like Spotify that much, but uh, Apple Music, uh, you know, I'm a Mac guy, so, um, you know, the fact that I can have every who record, every Faces record, every Temptations record, every Smokey Robinson record, every, you know, old blues record, Nirvana, whatever, you know, any band you want. It, and, and I don't even download it to the phone. It's just, you know, right. this is a 250-something gigabyte iPhone. So I could have a lot of shit in here, but um, it's just all in the cloud. And, right. You know, I mean, if I'm not on Wi-Fi and, and there's no signal, I can't listen to anything. Yeah, I'm the but, same thing. On a plane, but, I'm worthless. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, you know, if I know I'm going to be on a plane, and I want to listen to stuff. I'll just make sure that I temporarily download it. You know. Right. But um, you know, the fact that uh, I can have all this, which is it's really terrible, man. I have all my vinyl. I have every vinyl record that I ever had from when I was a kid. Forty fives, LPs. I have every, almost every cassette, VHS, DVD, DAT, you know, uh, I don't have the eight tracks anymore, but, you know, I have all that media and, you know, I have 
a complete stereo system, and all I do is listen to this thing on a fucking Bluetooth speaker. I know. <laughs> it's so know. convenient. You know, I turn on Bluetooth, and I'm like walking around the house, and I just move the speaker, gonna wash the dishes, I move the Bluetooth speaker to the kitchen. Right. You know, I go to fold the laundry. You know, I bring it in the bedroom. You know, it's so easy. Yeah. So that in that way, technology is good, and right. you know, of course, no, this, this, on this laptop I'm talking to you about, I made my entire record on. You know. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, we started on tape, analog tape, right? In a in a proper real studio, a great studio called Atomic Sound in Brooklyn, and uh, you know, we recorded to two inch analog tape through a Neve console and all this great, you know, tube tech and pole tech gear and you know all the real shit, and then we dumped it to. Then we dumped it to Pro Tools, and I did like, you know, right here in this room, I did a lot of my acoustic guitars, vocals, right. percussion. Like, I live in an apartment, so, you know, quiet. You know, I can't go crazy in here. But right. I have my own studio in Manhattan where I could crank up. I have my Marshalls, my Voxes, all the real amps. I do my solos. And that was all, you know, I just brought the laptop, and I have a little uh, um, uh, Universal Audio Apollo Twin uh, mic pre sounds amazing and that's my studio man you know do you, and, do you have any nostalgia for the for the big two inch reel or is just the digital so much better i wouldn't say it's better but it's certainly you know it's the difference between uh i mean i still have oh i have two inch reels of all my stuff from the 90s wow you know? My, me and my brother had a band called Crown Jewels. I have all the two-inch reels of that because uh, we came right out of uh, the band Company of Wolves. We were on Mercury Records, 1990. We, uh, when that band dissolved, we morphed into our own band. My brother and I. He was in right. the Wolves with me, and uh, we just kind of did things the same way. We went to the same studio. Work with the same producer that did our demos, Peter Denenberg up at Acme, where the Spin Doctors did their stuff. And, oh, okay. Um, and we did it the same way. I bought, you know, ten reels of two-inch tape, you know, and fifteen minutes on each reel. You know, we'd do three or four takes of each song. You know, so I'd have one reel would be three takes of one song. And so wow. I still have those in my closet. That's really cool. I have a memory. It's not. It's not really cool. It's. It's really inconvenient. Yeah, but, but I don't know. I'm. I, I in, like that kind of stuff. When you live in a New York City apartment, it's not. That's a little different, know. right? So, believe it or not, I have a connection to your brother. Um, I. I don't know how or why this happened, but your brother was in some jam in the F section in Matawan, way back in the day, and I was just hanging out. And I watched him working on some bass riff, um, and he got it. Like it, it had been something he had been struggling with. And I, I was, I was just a kid, and I'm, I'm a shitty guitar player. I'm, I suck. So just to be clear, and I watched him get something that he had been working on for a while, and he had this look of joy on his face, and it was really neat to watch him like struggle with whatever i don't i don't think it was slap or anything like that but it was just something he was trying to get done it was somewhere in the f section of Matawan, and I, I have no memory as to why i was there and he got it and his whole face lit up as he had accomplished something on his base and this is i have no idea how long ago but it's forever ago but i have that little connection with your brother but it was pretty cool i remember really recognizing and appreciating sort of what had internally happened with him when, when he got he sort of crossed the threshold. It was pretty cool. Yeah, he uh, spent a lot of time with that instrument, that's for sure. You know, we would, you know, when we were growing up and both living there in the house with my mom in, in Matawan, we would, uh, you know, he'd be in, I had my separate bedroom. Right, right. I was in one end because I was the oldest, so I got my own room at a certain point. Right. And he and my younger brother, Jeff, were sharing the room. And I would, uh, I'd be practicing in, down in my end of the house. He'd be practicing his bass in his end of the house. And then I'd always be like, I'd bring my guitar and I'd go, give you up. No, I'm working on something. Oh, that's <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm working on something. And sometimes I'd just come and I'd just plug into his amp 
and I just start playing. He's like rolling his eyes, you know. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I was like, come on, man, I just I just wrote this tune, man. Let's play it. No, 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 I'm working on something. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's it's you you guys were legends in Madawan, and now you look at your tour in the world these days. Uh, what do you have in your lap right now? What guitar is that you've got? Oh, that's gorgeous. It's my Zemitis. That that is beautiful. I love that finish on there. Look at that. Yeah, this is it's a new, it's a new one. Um, yeah, Ronnie Wood used to use these. Honeyman Scott from the Pretenders. Um, I don't know. Um, they've been around since the seventies, but then the the main guy Tony Zemitis died. I don't know how long ago they. I guess went under for a while and they came back. I guess they're, I don't know, Goya, Japanese company was building them. Okay. So I, they're not made in the U.S., but it's really a, a solid piece, man. Oh, you it's really, beautiful, man. You really do some damage to somebody if they came on stage and you wanted to, you know, I'll <laughs> just bang them in the head, you know? I, uh, I once read a review, you know that, remember that company Tisco, the Japanese company that built those like four pickup fake surf guitars? Tisco, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I read a review of one of them. It said they're so solid you could um, hammer a fence post into the ground in winter with it. <laughs> wow. You know, I don't know that's true, but I love just the concept of that review. I thought it was pretty funny. So... Um, what what are your other favorite guitars that you've got? What are your sort of your go tos? Well, here uh, I don't. Let's see, I don't have much here um, that I use regularly. Uh, on the wall over here, I have a couple Hagstroms. Okay, really nice, but uh, that's a jazz kind of a jazz box right there, and a Hagstrom Swede bass. And then behind that is the Melody Maker, mid '60s Gibson Melody Maker. Um, uh, most of my guitars I use all the time are in my studio on Manhattan. That makes so sense. I do have my, I have a 60 junior, a 59 junior here. Um, my 70 Les Paul is in my studio, 62 Strat, 67 Tele. Oh, you have a 62 Strat? Yeah. That's nice. White, uh, it's uh, Olympic white with quarter shell guards. Yeah, it's really, really good. That's that's really nice. The neck is, is amazing. So yeah, I mean uh, that one I don't really play too much recently because it's. Uh, oh, I actually played it on um, Recovery Doll. Okay. The lead, the lead guitar on Recovery Doll is is that played with my fingers like. You know, without without a pick. Right, that's so, kind of a little honky tonk womanish, right there. Yeah. Yeah, but that's uh, yeah. I rarely play a strat on a record, and I even less frequently play with my fingers. Probably, probably the second time I've ever played with my fingers on a record. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. It just felt right to do. Uh, you know, this is the one great thing about this kind of recording, this kind of guerrilla recording on your own and, and stuff. It's like you're not like in the studio with like a bunch of dudes looking over you and the, right. looking at your watch and figuring out how much you're spending. I'm in my studio by myself. I can do whatever the fuck I want, you know. That's great. Um, and I don't have to say to anybody, was that good or you like that? What do you think? You know, I'll just try anything. And I guess I tried that and was like, oh, why not? You know? A little Mark Knopflery, maybe. Yeah, sure. Or, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've never been a real fingers guy. I, I want to be now. Right. Kind of late in the game, of course, but uh, never too late. Never too late. I, I started like watching uh, Tommy Emanuel videos. You know, he's like, ridiculous with his finger picking and i started trying to you know kind of teach myself from watching his videos and uh now i'm working on a little bit more of a 
hybrid picking where you kind of use the pick and then use two fingers. Right. I, I'm no good at it, believe me. But uh, it's uh, something to work towards, you know. And I'm working. I'm, you know, if I'm working on anything, you know, it would be just like stuff that I haven't, you know, really done. Like more, more left hand, you know. You know, not not picking every note. You know, like I used to really, you know. Now I'm just trying to get this like. So it's a little extra work for the left hand. Yeah, but. It's also smoother and sexier than, you know. Right, because there's less attack to it. Yeah. So are these the kind of guitar tales that you're looking for on your show? It's exactly it, yeah. (laughs) We talk about the people, we talk about the music, the creative process, and that's a good segue. So I want to talk about your new album. Um, So when did you record it? I assume that was in your Manhattan studio and a little bit in your uh, apartment? Um, well, like I said, the tracks we recorded at Atomic Sound in Brooklyn. Gotcha. Okay. Which is uh, a great um, old school. He's got Tony Bennett's old Neve board. So it's a giant Neve console. Um, Studer two inch machine. Um, with a 16 track headstock, which means for those of you who don't know, usually it's a 24 track. Um, recorder with two inch tape right and if you uh if you put a 16 track head stack on it which means uh it records to 16 tracks the tracks get thicker okay and instead of 24 it comes uh you know it, it makes each of those 16 tracks a little bit thicker so it sounds fatter and then you record at a slower speed i mean at a faster speed you get more information yeah. it's better yep yep yeah so uh yeah so and that's what they did back in the day you know like all those great 70s you know bad company free zeppelin you know yeah um that's, and how, they hold up. that's how all the shit sounds so fat you know you still listen to that stuff now and you go damn you know we still most great records that have come out since then still have not beat those records you know, i agree sounds. Yeah. For sounds, drum sounds, guitar sounds. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some, some big, fat sounding records. Everything just sounds bigger nowadays, anyway, because they they just push the levels. And there's this thing right. called volume wars. I don't know if you're aware of that shit. Where no. everybody's pushing, you know, to where if you look at a Pro Tools session, you see the, the peaks, you know, in the, okay. in the sound, when the waves, you know, waveforms, right. where. People are pushing stuff so hot for volume that it's just like flat line across the top. There's no peaks anymore. It's just like, ah. Yeah. You know? and, and there's no subtlety and there's no dynamics in the music. And, you know, so, but uh, anyway, so um, Atomic Sound, we recorded the tracks. Um, like I said, we played live in the great drum room, big high ceilings vintage drum kit um charlie uh my brother had uh, a couple of old bass rigs svts and stuff like that and maybe an acoustic 360. i brought my uh pre-top boost uh vox ac30 62 and he had a couple of great old like magnetones and these weird like little amps that i used and also some like weird old guitars like Framuses and stuff like that. I haven't heard of a Framus. Framus? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're they're like Hofner, you know, like that kind of like ho- hollow body kind of thing. From oh, nice. Europe. I don't know if it's German or what. Um, but mostly I used my junior, my sixty uh, junior, my seventy Les Paul, my Strat, what else? That Kelly sixty-seven Kelly. I use this as a minus on one. Remember which song? 335. I used I, late 70s, 335. Uh, Dan, 59 Dan Electro. Oh, nice. Nice. I used that on Dog Days of Summer. It's all well. Little lipstick pickups on that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you've heard Dog Days of Summer, the second single uh, with the video. Yep. 
it's out on YouTube. Um, that oh. lead, it sounds really, it's a really unique tone. That's the, yeah. that's the 59 Dead Electro. Um, but I did all those later. So we just got the tracks, just guitar, bass, and drums, recorded all that tape, dumped it into heart, into the computer, left the studio after the weekend. We recorded the whole album in the weekend. Wow. 10, 10 songs. We'd get like three, whatever, three or four a day, whatever. And um, I did like two days left. It was set up on a Friday night, did Saturday and Sunday, and then we were done. So uh, left the studio with hard drives, took the hard drives back. I did guitars in my studio. I set up my amps. I hired an engineer to come in. See, this is what I'll do. I'll hire an engineer to come in and place the mics in, in the sweet spot. Right. And then I'll say, okay, that's two hours. Here, here's your whatever, a couple hundred bucks. Right, right, right. Go home now. I got this from here. And then I'll just do the rest of it myself, you know? Um, so I recorded the uh, all the solos and, and overdubs there. And then we did vocals at my co-producer, Andrew Hollander's studio. And I had some uh, some of the guest vocalists come there and sing with me. And, and that was it. And then that was 2019 into 2000, early 2020. And I finished up in February of 2020, just in time for me to run over to Europe, do some dates with Michael Monroe. Right. And while I was there, we were there for six weeks of gigs. After about three weeks, COVID hit. Yep. And that was it, man. I came yep. back and, you know, nothing happened for, uh, well, you know, still a year and a half. Nothing happening. But, you yeah. know, but I did, uh, I had to mix and master the record um, all by the internet, which I had done. I've done five records like that now, so I'm no stranger to that process. Right, right, right. I guess what was different about this time was my mixer was in California, and uh, I actually I got home to New York after uh, the Monroe tour got canceled because of COVID. I came home, and then uh, we were seeing what was happening in New York. There was like you know, shortages of everything. Like you go to a supermarket and there's like people who are like hoarding toilet paper and like the shelves were empty. And we're like, man, this is, this is horrible. Um, and um, we went back to Europe. My wife is, is Dutch. So we went to the Netherlands and stayed with her family for uh, six months. We were there half a year. I mean, we were communicating life. then. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would be in the Netherlands um, and my mixer was in California. The great Nico Bolas, who makes the, he's worked on Keith Richards' Expensive Winos records, Neil Young, Don Henley, Boys of Summer, he makes that. So, uh, and he's worked on every record I've done for the last 20 years. And he's in California, I'm in the Netherlands, we're like nine hours apart. So we'd have this like one little window of like two right, hours right. where he was just waking up and I was just about to go to bed. So uh, that, that's how we mix the record, you know. Um, but, you know, he would do it and then send me a, you know, email me a mix and I'd go, ah, bass is too loud or can you put a little more delay in the vocal or whatever. And, you know, we got it that way. And then I, when I got back to New York, we actually, uh, I had it mastered, uh, a guy upstate. I never met him. You know, right. I talked to him on the phone and, uh, yeah, so I got it all done in, in 2020 and, uh, finalized my deal with little Steven and wicked cool records in late 2020 and came out and first single earlier this year, 2021 May recovery doll. And, uh, yeah, now I'm on the third single it was recovery doll was the first single. There's a video on YouTube, the virtual reality, crazy thing. Yeah. And then, uh, dog days of summer came out in August. Another video for that. And now Overnight Smash is the uh, latest single. And there'll be another one coming out in a couple of weeks. Now, then where can people buy it? I know you have it available on vinyl and CD. Where do they get it? I know the answer, but I'm asking you to say it. Okay. Well, this is what it looks like, folks. I love, by the way, I love, I was looking at that today. What a great, intense photo. I don't know if there's a backstory to that. Oh, but. there's a big backstory to this. This kid. 
That, that's great. Yeah, hold it just like that. He doesn't look happy right there. He looks pretty intense. It's a protest. It was back in 2016 when Trump was elected. A bunch of high school kids were protesting his election. And they're, you know. Wow. Liberal, liberal New York, you know. Yep, yep. I'm a lefty left. I'll admit, I'll say it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes I don't know who I'm talking to, so you know, I'm, I might piss somebody off. But yeah, not, you know, not. I, I was I was not a fan of that guy. Yeah. But uh, that's the little uh, extra bonus that I I know in my mind. That's why I love this picture. Oh my god, I love it. He he just looks. I was looking at that today, and I wanted to ask you about the backstory for that because that guy just he looks mad. You know. He, yeah. I mean. And I got in touch with the kid. I got in touch with the photographer. I saw this photo in New York Magazine. And I went, whoa. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to call the album Bronx Cheer. Yeah. I live in the Bronx. And, uh, you know, a Bronx Cheer is a, a raspberry, you know? Yeah, so yeah. So I knew, you know, this is, this is not really a, you know, a cheerful photo, which I like. The content yeah. Of it's intense. And, uh, and, you know, but when I saw it, I was looking for, I had a, a couple other possibilities that didn't work out of photos. I wanted sort of a dark, you know, black and white New York photo. Right. And when I saw this, I went, whoa. Yeah. And then I found out what the story was. And I went, oh, yeah. that's even better, you know. Yeah. And I found the photographer. Um, he's living in Sweden. We worked out a deal. I found the kid. I got him to sign off on it. And um, yeah. Probably tickled by it, right? Yeah. He's. He was 16 here, so he's like 21 now. I told him yeah. I'll send him a copy of it when it's done. So anyway, so this is the CD. It's not out yet. It comes out November 5th. I do happen to have one copy here. Um, and it's got a nice little booklet inside. That's what I like about the old. That's even semi-old school. Vinyl's the oldest school, but that's great to have some actual. Yeah, look at that. Poster. Yeah. Look at this photo, man. My wife took this photo. That's a great photo. That really is. I mean, you don't see my face, but that's all you need to see to know it's me. Just look at that nose, man. Yeah, hey, dude, you're an amateur in the world of noses compared to me. Look at this. Look at this. I'm a professional nose guy. Here, look at that. Yeah. Uh, the Italian chilling. noses are still better than the Jewish noses. <laughs> well. But, I love it's that. The eye, it's in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Yeah, right. You know, but, uh, in the old days when you would you would buy an album and you'd come back and you have a little bit of art to look at and as you're listening to music, there's something tactile. Of course. You know, I'm that's a I, that, that's, yeah, I feel sorry for, well, I mean, I guess kids don't know. I was thinking about this today. I mean, I wonder if they look back at, you know, what we used to experience and go, I wonder if that's like, us thinking about our grandfathers like cranking up a Victrola, you know, like, yeah. oh my God, who would want to do that, you know? But like, I wonder if kids think, oh, who would want to read liner notes, you know, just fucking put an MP3 on your phone and call it a day, you know? But I mean, I would read, you know, because you had so few records because, yeah, you know, you had to spend all your allowance on 145, you know? You to, was, I had to cut lawns for it, yep. Yeah, yeah, and and you knew the A, the B side as much as the A side because that's all you had was that one or two records, you know. So yeah. you played the shit out of both sides of them, and yeah. I, you know, I can tell you the liner notes on, you know, "Let It Bleed" by the Stones, you know, "Hard Knocks" and "Dirty Socks." Who right. was "Tea and Sympathy"? "Tea and Sympathy" by Jock, you know. I know all these little stupid things from the liner notes because I fucking read them every day you know, as I was listening to the album. I what about stare at the cover? You know? What about Queen's insert with all the naked girls on the bicycles? Oh, yeah. Which album was that? That was uh, with Fat Bottom Girls. Which album was that? Uh, As, I, don't... I own it. It's in my house. It's. I was, uh, yeah, I didn't have that album. I had Night at the Opera. I had Day at the Races. Yeah. I had uh, True Heart Attack. But, um, yeah, you know, the I, I love having, you know, I try and make the experience, you know, a bit old school. Yeah. You know? Thank people. What what you know? Instruments were used. Thank the you know. Mention the companies. Mention the you know. I mean, I guess people still do that on albums anyway. You know, but that, it's a good touch. You, you get yeah. credits to people that when credits you know needed. All right. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, 
this is the CD. Uh, these have been printed up, but they're still not coming out till November 5th. I'm still waiting on the vinyl. That's not printed yet. Right. Um, and I actually have still some of these. I saw that online. Yeah, and I've listened to some of the music from that. That's good stuff. Recovery doll single. It's on glow in the dark green vinyl. Yeah. Now that, by the way, you're playing your that guitar that's a pink guitar on the back, right? Oh, that's just colored for the. Okay, but you have one of your you had an album. I forget which one it was, but you guys did a version of Mercedes Benz. That... Uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's my gimme gimme rockaway. Uh, yeah, single. and the rockaway yeah. singles great and i went bonkers over your um cover of mercedes-benz because you you turned it into something really cool and really different and i would not be exaggerating if i tell you i played that 80 times i, th I think that was fabulous what oh. You did that. oh cool yeah i've been doing that version for god i don't know 20 years i've been playing you know because i always thought it was cool that janice joplin when she did it just did it a cappella, you know, there was no chords yeah. to it. Yeah. Lord, won't you buy me yeah, Mercedes Benz? And I, when I heard it, I was like, I can hear the chords in there. Right. And now, you know, of course, after I recorded it, I said, I wonder if anyone else has ever done that. And I went back and Googled it and I found some other people have done it with, put chords to it, but not very good. No, you, you I mean, put chords in I just made mine just really, simple and and straight ahead some people i guess tried to get a little fancy with it um but uh well thanks i'm glad you like it yeah and that was uh yeah there's a story behind that recording um well whatever. that that was the first thing that i did with uh, little steven oh really um, the uh well he played uh my steve county nyc album uh on the underground garage and gave me a couple of coolest songs in the world and all that right i think i think i was number two coolest song in the world that year for the year behind some guy named bruce so, <laughs> heard of him maybe another jersey dude yeah some jersey dude that yeah i was a little bit yeah um <laughs> so yeah if i'm gonna get beat out by anybody it's, a, it's okay yeah and we have the same birthday me and bruce. oh that's very cool that's cool but uh so Stevie played uh, that album, and then, oh, then he played my next album, my covers album, uh, International Cover Up. Uh, I had a song, uh, everybody, um, somebody's gonna get their head kicked in tonight. Um, that was the coolest song in the world too. And then he said, hey, you wanna do a single for my label? I said, sure. And then we did Gimme Gimme Rockaway. So I went into his studio and recorded it. Which is a cool video and too. Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. That that director Peter Perenyi has done my next video that's coming out, and it's fucking epic. Where do you see this thing? Song called "Flying." It's a ballad from the album. Um. So uh, yeah, I since I was gonna, this was kind of a one-off with with Stephen, as I I thought it was gonna be just the, you know the one single. Right. Uh, I thought you know let me do something different and get some guys that I always wanted to play with that I never played before. So I called Clem Burke from Blondie and oh, right, right, right. Uh, Andy Rourke from the Smiths and right. Jesse Mallon sang with me. And uh, so we did Gimme Gimme Rockaway in the studio at, at Little Steven's, uh, here's a studio in, in Manhattan in his offices. And we recorded right there, um, nice little spot. And then, um, you know, it was supposed to, it was going to be a, you know, vinyl single. Right. And I completely forgot that I had to do a B-side. Like, All right. Uh, right. So after, uh, you know, we, we did the take and it was like, oh, great guys. Thanks, man. You know, everybody said goodbye. Clem left, Andy left. And I went, a B-side. You know, Clem was leaving town. I couldn't get him back there. I called my regular drummer, Phil Stewart, who's a great drummer. Um, and I said, Phil, can you come down here? I got to record a B-side. And he's like, man, I'm in Canada. He's Canadian. So like, I, I couldn't get anybody. And so 
I went out into the offices of Wicked, uh, what's called Renegade Nation, right? Dance company. I went out into the office. I said, "Hey, any drummers in the house?" Literally. I raises, yeah, literally. And some guy raises his hand, and it was like, I, I knew this guy. I had played Yankee Stadium for Little Steven the year before, um, and I, I knew this guy, Jeremy. His name is Jeremy. Um, oh, he's going to kill me now. It's an Italian last name, of course, so I should remember it. But um, anyway, he uh, he's like, yeah, I play drums. I'm like, all right, come in here. I taught him the song. I knew I could play bass on it. So right, right. it was a bass laying around the studio. So uh, I taught him um, my arrangement. We laid it down. I laid down bass. This is on Mercedes-Benz. And then I got the entire uh, Renegade yeah. Nation uh, offices, like all the lady, you know, all the ladies, you know, secretaries and stuff. Everybody, come on in, and we all sang. You know, we, you hear the the big. Yeah, well, that was my next question. Is you have it, it, you just have this sort of it's almost like an arena rock kind of thing when everyone's singing it together. It's very cool. Yeah, or I just I wrote out the words on a you know paper and a sharpie, and I said, okay, everybody. Here's what we're gonna do, and luckily everybody could sing in time, in tune, and in time. Right. And uh, maybe that's a prerequisite for working at Stevens Company. I don't know. Right. I, I think it was called like the rock, because uh, he was doing, you know, Stevens heavily into this teaching, you know, rock education thing, which is awesome. I didn't know and, that. Uh, yeah, he's got this program in the schools. He's trying to like make, you know, rock history an actual thing that's taught in schools, which is that's a great really thing. Awesome and important. Yeah, and so like, yeah, I even I named them on the records like the the rock and roll something foundation forever foundation or something singers, I right? Them. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's my story behind Mercedes Benz. If you like, now, it, it's it's very have. very. Cool. I've shared it with a bunch of people because it's just different, you know. It's very different, and I enjoy it like that. So very cool. So. Yeah. Um, time is flying with you right now. Uh, I just took a look. Oh, at... I'm, I'm taking all kinds of like little. Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely great. Digressions well, over here. One of the things I want people to know. So, um, you're, you're, um, the best way to find you besides social media, just Google Steve Conti. You get all this, everything is there on Facebook. You, I'll, you know, find you on YouTube, but your website is stevecontinyc.com. Very easy to yeah, find. Yeah, or now you can just go to stevecontinyc.com. I, I finally bought that. Someone Who had it before you? Yeah, someone was trying to, like, you know, hold on to me. Right, right, right. Oh, you want to buy it? It'll cost you, you know, $3. Right. I'm like, I'll wait for it to expire. And it expired, and I just bought it real quick. Sure. Well, so, so now, yeah. Either either one of those takes you to my website. It's easier to just say stevecontee.com, C-O-N-T-E. And, uh, you know, I don't update the website as much as I do the social media just because right. I can do it from my phone. It's so easy. I do it every yeah, day exactly. while I'm like riding on, you know, on lots of walking down the street. Yeah. But, um, but everything is there. I have a YouTube channel where all my videos are, and uh, I hope to be doing a lot more with my YouTube channel because you know, the fact that we haven't been out playing, you know, I've I've got a couple of uh, perform solo performances up there already, and uh, I'd like to do more of that. Um, but Instagram, Twitter, yeah, all the usual places. You're everywhere, and and thankfully there's not another rock guitarist named Steve Conti I saw anywhere. So if people look up Steve Conti, they're gonna find you. C O N T E. There is an actor. There's an an actor. Really? Who's, yeah, he was in uh, his big movie was uh, I was a teenage zombie. Oh, that's funny. Hear this movie in the, in the late like early sixties. I've absolutely he had heard. all those B horror movies. Yeah, but that he's spelled exactly the same way as. Oh, that's right. And with a different spelling, I pitched for the Mets for a few years. Um, but, yeah, yeah, right. but he, he spells it wrong. I, I, don't, I think he forgets the E for his last name. But uh, but yeah, I pitched for the Mets for a while. So, <laughs> this was a lot of fun. I got to tell you, I really appreciate your uh, spending some time with us. And yeah, man. if uh, if you got anything else, you know, I I'm, I'm not I don't have to run yet, so you can you can feel free to uh, ask me anything else. 
uh, I'm, as far as the, the record goes, um, oh, band camp. That's what I want to say. Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. I knew I, knew I forgot something. So okay. that's where you can get the record. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, right, right, right. Yeah. So uh, Wicked Cool Records, the label, they have a page on Bandcamp where you can get it directly from them. But I sell them right uh, through my Bandcamp page. Um, through the merch, there's a merch tab. I saw, and you have the merch tab on your website too. I think I saw that. Uh, That's so old. School. I might have a link to it on there, but I, I don't have a, a possibility to sell with a credit card or anything on my website. Right. It's, that's through through the bank camp, and it goes through PayPal. Maybe they, no, they don't do credit cards. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you go to uh, Wicked Cool, you can just buy them directly from like the the factory or whatever you know right now let me right ask out. you this but if, if you buy them from me yeah i sign them at home i and right. send them out i send them out from my house you know so if, if you go to Bandcamp steve conti page not the wicked cool records page you can get ordered the pre-order the cd or the vinyl um from me and well these i'm not selling on the Bandcamp site but uh anybody who wants to Write me at info at stevecontynyc.com. I'll tell you all about how to get these. Now, you know what we're going to do, too? We're going to put, when we uh, when this goes into post, we'll, we'll put you in touch with Monica over at the studio. We're going to get all those links together for you. So we'll, we'll okay. put that together. So I, I usually like to say this, that it's here on the screen, but I have no idea if it's going to be here or here. But we'll get, we'll get all your info on the screen. Now, let me ask you this question. My kids who have um, an attention span of a flea, which I will say on the air. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, if they want to get, um, do you also sell your stuff? Like, can they upload it on iTunes and all that? Oh, yeah. It's all, yeah. I don't like to advertise. Uh, go to Spotify because, right, right, right. you know, I don't get paid shit for that, you know. Okay, gotcha. And no, you know, no artists do, unfortunately. And Apple Music, you know, is kind of the same, even though I pay for it for myself for listening to music. Right. I hate that, uh, you know, these streaming services, you know, they're getting rich on musicians, but they're not really paying musicians. Oh, no, you're right. Uh, you're right. You know, I mean, That's when true. I was coming up, you could actually think about like, you know, not just having a career, but making a living being a musician and a recording artist. But, you know, I mean, I'm making, I make a living as a musician, but I, but not just as a recording artist. I mean, I got to do a lot of different things to like right. make what yeah. you know yeah. and what someone in the in the 60s or 70s or 80s used to make from you know selling their records you know selling vinyl or cds but yeah. but at least we're seeing now that that vinyl's making a little bit of a comeback i mean one of my kids i think my daughter actually got a turntable you know which i think is really cool because again one of the things you you talked about it earlier that i think kids are missing out on is sort of the the tactile interaction with the artist, you know? Yeah. Um, I was going to mention before, I'm a Who fanatic. So Quadrophenia, there's a freaking book that came with that album. And I, I would just, I mean, I, that just got me through high school. That album got me through high school. But there's that book. I mean, it's got to be 30, 40 pages long. And, and the, you know, maybe not that long. I have it in the house. but I have, yeah, I have it on vinyl. I'm trying to remember the booklet. It was it, black and white. I remember that. It's all the pictures. It's a bunch of black and white pictures. It's less writing and more pictures. I don't remember if they pulled it, you know, with Sting from the movie or not, or if they just sort of did yeah, it. Yeah, I remember there's Sting on a Vespa, right? Yeah, yeah. Or I think not it's a like, Vespa. It's a. It's got crazy like mirrors all over it. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 it's yeah, like yeah, a scooter. Yeah. But it, but in middle school, I was much more excited about Queen's Naked Women on motor on bicycles. But that's that's a different story. But <laughs> frustrated little boy in Madawan. But, um, but yeah, but, but the kids at least there, there's a, I think, you know, you talked about something before. I think that my perception as a kid about my parents' music is different than the current kids' perception of their, of the rock gods that you and I grew up with. You know, like, like my daughter shocked me. We, we had a long drive together. And, and she told me that she loves the Stones and she was getting into the Stones. And I thought, that's really cool. I, I think something happened in the 60s where 
I don't think that the, the music and sort of the vibe and, and the culture feels as antiquated to today's kids. And this could completely be my own bias. Bias. Well, you know, you would have a different experience. No, no, no. I hear you. I think, uh, well, I'm sure there's a lot of shit going on behind the scenes that we didn't know about with, you know, Glenn Miller or, you know, yeah. I mean, certainly oh, the right, jazz right, guys. Right. Yeah. Certainly the jazz guys, Charlie Parker and Coltrane, and those guys were fucking shooting up. And, you You're know, right, exactly, and, yeah. And all kinds and of... Miles you know, was... And, and, yeah, yeah, Miles, and, you know, and, you know, they associate, you know, reefer madness, you know, with black jazz musicians. and Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, for the most part, you know, I mean, the 50s and Elvis and, you know, and all that, it was kind of clean cut, and there wasn't, like, openly... You're right. Uh, you know, rebellious. I mean, maybe, you know, yeah, later on in the 50s, you know, when Marlon Brando came out and the wild one, the motorcycles and the right. leather jackets and, you know, it started getting a little rough and tough. But, you know, it wasn't like a drug culture, at least right. not openly. But yep. then, you know, when the, especially in the late 60s, of course, you know, when the psychedelic shit started happening and the, you know, free love and everything, it, it's just this whole youth culture, you know, and the anti-war, right? You know, the Vietnam, uh, you know, youth just went from like, you know, your children should be seen and not heard to like, we are like strong, right, right, right. We have a voice and we can change the world and, you know, we can be free and we're free to, you know, do what we want with our bodies and, you know, there's just a certain freedom that I think, you know, it's not that far removed. From what's right. going on now for a kid from now, you know, a 16 year old now, look, think about a 16 year old back in like seventies, you know, rock and roll, sex, drugs, you know, it was still out there. A 16 year old in 19, you know, in the fifties though, would be like, everything would be under wraps and, right. and you know, you, yeah. probably, I mean, I don't know, I wasn't born, so, you know. Right, but you know, but, you know uh, the difference might be if you think about a, a Keith Richards would not be saying, "Man, I worship Glenn Miller," but a David Grohl will talk about his admiration and reverence for all his icons, and that you know. So maybe just you know, I mean, then again, for our kids, David Grohl might be a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I. I worship old guys. I mean, you know, I love, you know, Robert Johnson and right, right. You know, Charlie Patton and yeah. Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie, you know, and even old, you know, older dudes, you know, like, right. you know, Louis Armstrong and, you know, yeah. um, but uh, that's the thing, you know, my, I'm not your typical like rock guy that's like, if it ain't, you know, punk rock, you know, what I do, uh, I don't like it. You know, like I, my record collection is all over the place, completely schizo. You know, it goes from Stravinsky to fucking Coltrane to Kiss to, you know, Zeppelin to Nirvana to whatever, you know, folk music, Dylan. You know, I love some almost every genre I can find something that I really love. Even like I was listening to some like new, like hardcore metal. I was really just sad. I watched that dude, Rick Beato. You ever watch any of his? No, no. on YouTube? Oh, he's great. You know, what makes the song great? Oh, I'll have to check that out. On YouTube? Oh man, he's got, he's huge. He's got like, I don't know, millions of subscribers and he sells his music theory books and Anyway, he's got all these guests on and he's always talking about like, you know, the top 10 of what's happening now. But he's like, he's a dude, he's like an older dude, you know, he's like my age uh, ish. And he'll be like, you know, he's a boomer. So he'll talk about, you know, the, the old shit that we all love, the, the Zeppelin. He's like, he had this one special, what if Eric Johnson played the guitar solo on Stairway to Heaven? You know, this is what it would have sounded like. And he actually had Eric Johnson come in and play. You know, he's got like crazy shit like that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So uh, check him out. Rick Beato. It's spelled Beato. It looks like B-E-A-T-O. How do you spell it? B-E-A-T-O. 
I will check him out. Rick Beato, yeah. He's, uh, he's all over my YouTube feed. I don't know why I just started talking about him. But, We're uh, talking about, you know, whether, you know, who has reverence for the old school versus, you know, the new school and all that. Yeah, he'll cover, like, the old shit, you know, the classic stuff and why those records sound great and why the playing is so great. And then he'll talk about, uh, you know, he'll have new artists on. Oh, that's why I was saying yeah. he had these new, these sort of new, not new metal, but like, you know, hard rock, crazy technique, you know, but progressive metal, I think he calls it, guitar players. Okay. He loves like the, uh, you know, cacophony guys, you know, like Marty Friedman and, the, and those guys. Um, so I just discovered some like new band. I can't remember the name of it now. Magnolia was the song. But, you know, so I'll find something in, in every genre that, that I can dig. I'm not just like one one dimensional, which, you know, you can sort of tell by, by my new album. You know? Yeah. And, it sort and, of runs the gamut from like, you know, almost punk rock, not total, but you know, yeah, Liar Like You is pretty punk rock, I think. Human Animal. Um, those tunes, you know, and then it goes through like kind of a more of a classic blues rock thing to like, you know, gospel soul kind of ballads and, and Americana power pop. But that's all my shit right there, you know? Those are like all my... I, I listen to Those are the genres that I write in. Really, yeah. You know, I like to listen I, I listened to, to a lot of it, you know, whatever I was able to get online, and it, it, it's very, it's very guttural and authentic, you know, like, like there's a nice grittiness about it, you know, that, that's non-formulaic, which is how we started this show tonight. You know, I really feel like it's non-formulaic, which is a good thing in my view. Well, if you thank you, and if you go to my YouTube channel, um, unfortunately, it doesn't have my name. It's not like. YouTube slash Steve Conti. It's like it's got a Good. bunch of fucking letters and numbers. But just put my name in and, and find, you know, Steve Conti, the official YouTube channel or whatever. And uh, all my videos are there. And the singles, even the, the ones that don't have videos, there's a still photo of the album cover. Oh, yeah. and, and you can hear the songs and, you know, oh. from the new album, at least the, the three singles that are out. And Gimme Gimme Rockaway is also on the record yeah. as well. Oh, real? Okay. Yeah, that, that's the, such on, a good tune. It's on the new album. Yeah. yeah I, Steve I Van Zandt said, you got to put that on there. Yeah. I was like, really? That's three years old already. He's like, no, it wasn't on an album, right? I said, yeah, it's true. It's a very, it, it's such a cool, catchy tune. Like I said, the video is great. It's, it's such a, you know, it's such a New Yorkish kind of video in a really good way. But you know, if you go, if someone goes to your YouTube channel, what's also cool is that they're go, you know, they're watching you jamming with just a who's who of rock legends too, which is kind of fun. I so you. Yeah, there's a couple of good ones up there. Uh, I played with Patty Smith a couple of years I ago. Saw that. Bo Diddley? Didn't you jam with Bo Diddley in one of them? Um, there's some photos of me and Bo. Bo played yes. on the New York Dolls record. Yeah. I, you know, I tuned his guitar for him. That's up. That's up. And, and, and he wanted to buy my uh, resonator guitar. There's a picture of him with holding my resonator guitar. Oh, that's or, cool. Oh, I'm holding it, but he was like, "Man, sell me that." Like, <laughs> oh man, you know what? I can't. I'd love to. You know, but I got him to sign it. So. Right. <laughs> so, so you guys, you were on Craig Ferguson uh, with the New York Dolls, which is cool. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I can only put the ones on my YouTube channel that I actually have the master file for so right, right. i don't ha i don't have those i just uh if i but, post them on facebook or whatever i find whoever uploaded them and I, you know just repost it but um but they're there you know yeah it's for the searching yeah they're all up there yeah well i hope i can do this sometime when covid's over and you know come i saw your episode with kenny dubman you know, yeah that was how, how great did he and his wife perform together holy shit I didn't see that. I just oh, saw you God. talking to him. Uh, oh my God! Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of no. Kenny Dubbin performed on his own. I'm thinking of uh, Matt O'Ree and his wife performed together. You know Matt? Oh yeah. So, uh, I've met him a bunch. He's uh, he's from Asbury. Uh, I played at the Saints a couple times with him. Yeah, he's from he's from the Shore area. So yeah, so so Kenny, 
Yeah, his guitar playing was wonderful. I love his gritty voice and all that, but he did a great performance. Did you watch it? Did he see the song he played? You know what? I can't recall. I remember him talking about how he was a ship's captain for a while. And, you know, yeah. I, I met my sister's good friends with him. So I remember her telling me that too, but I, I don't. I recall a performance though. Oh, it's um, at the very beginning of the show. He, he they, they. Oh yes, 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 yes. I remember. Were you guys jamming together? Were you playing rhythm? No, rhythm or Now I, I, I'll, I'll hold someone's guitar and strum a few chords to test out the guitar, but I'm not good enough to do that. You know, I could sort of get by, but not, I'm not at Kenny's level even remotely. Um, well, you know, if you got some, some. Nice amps there. Uh, I'll bring a guitar down next time, and now we we want you. Same. Yeah, we want you in the studio because yeah, it's it, it, the sound there is great. The studio is beautiful. We will get you in the studio as soon as it's safe to do so. We'd love to have you there. All right, going so. on it. Very cool. Well, this this was beyond fun. I really appreciate it. All right, Dave. Yeah, man. Thank you, and Absolutely. thanks everybody. All right. Uh, please, uh, you know, go to my website and find me online, all the usual places, you know. Excellent. Well, you have a great night, Steve. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. You too. Thank you. See you, everybody. See you.